0: I quit my job at at my law firm and uh, out in, uh, you know, in the fall of 08. And then, you know, a month or two later, I'm walking into this little office space we had rented. And, you know, the the guys on the first floor have a screen on with the news. You know, it's like, you know, Dow falling 800 points, a thousand points. And (laughs) God, like I just left, you know, a, a great big law firm job quit quit my job and now i'm starting this thing i have no idea what i'm doing
1: we are here to try to explain to you what it is we do here
2: the solar industry in the u.s employs more people than google apple facebook and twitter combined the
1: most valuable commodity i know of is information Wouldn't you agree?
2: Welcome in to the Green Insider Podcast, powered by eRenewable. I am your host, Fred Davis, joined, as I always am, by eRenewable President Mike Niemer. Glad to have you on board for episode number two, and we are so excited about our guest today, Mr. Ben Parvey, CEO of Blue Sky Power, located up in the Philadelphia area, and uh, Blue Sky Power, been around uh, since the late 2000s, and of course, uh, Ben, as you'll hear from, um, Started the company uh, right after, well, right around when the recession started uh, in late two thousand middle of late two thousand eight, and of course, uh, you know, left a, a stable job as you heard him talk about there in the intro uh, in the legal field, jumping into an industry that he knew a little bit about, uh, had a you know had some a working interest in, and some of the things he had done, but uh, decided to go uh, jump in full full bore uh, there right there when the recession hit, and uh, we'll hear from him a little bit in just a little bit uh, about how he and his company were able to, to maneuver, and of course you're probably asking, well, exactly what does Blue Sky Power do? Uh, a number of different things. Energy infrastructure development uh, advisory, as well as procurement of energy for uh, a host of, of customers, and, and of course, they've, they've been on the, the, the commercial side. Uh, now, as you'll hear, they're, they're starting to delve into the residential side as well, and uh, they've got a whole list of things that they're working on, goals, and uh, looking to make themselves, and, and, and are one of the premier players in uh, the N- energy infrastructure development space and so again uh, given what they've been able to do in just the renewable space as a whole is nothing short of remarkable Uh, really in the short amount of time they've been around and of course that's a testament to ben parvey his leadership and his staff and what they've been able to do so without further ado please enjoy ben parvey ceo of blue sky power all right ben so you mentioned already that all right, so you you went from a, a as you mentioned a stable job in the legal field. You jump into an industry that you know you have a working knowledge of, but again, you're still a, a, a neophyte in some ways to this to the renewable space, to the energy procurement infrastructure development side. Explain the process of of starting this company and and you know just kind of the volatile time that you jumped in and you went ahead and made this move.
0: You know, we pieced it together. And in 2009, they started the, they passed Aura, the recovery and reinvestment act, similar to some of the stimulus funds here. And a lot of it was for, um, you know, renewable uh, energy and energy infrastructure in 2005. Yeah. You know, they passed the energy independence and security act under the Bush administration, and that had the Renewable Energy Investment Tax Credits, which really started all this off. And so uh, you know, I chaired our County Environmental Commission and was starting to piece together being a bond lawyer with uh, the trends we were following in the county mm-hmm. of pursuing renewable energy projects. And so we started the company to do project development and finance. We went to Wharton Strategic Business Planning classes and then figured uh, you know, from 07 into 08. And then it was perfect time to, we were ready to execute and, uh, you know, then recession happened. So at first it was a little scary, but then, you know, we quickly had an uptick of school districts, municipalities and entities that that wanted to pursue solar projects. And New Jersey was just getting their renewable, uh, portfolio standards and their energy master plan together. And, you know, other States started following suit. So it, it, it ended up working out. Um, I think different than the 08 recession, you know, these events are transformational. What's going on right now. Um, You know, 08 was a long, painful slog of, you know, a lot of people losing their jobs, a lot of industries, you know, losing a ton of steam and it taking a long time to get back. Um, We might get back. I mean, I, I don't, I question the U or the V or the J shaped recovery people are talking about. Um, because it, you know to have lost this many jobs, it will take a while. So while the economy may improve, there're gonna be a lot of people who are unemployed um, and need to find their way into the economy. But uh, I will say we're going to see some dramatic transformation due to the changes people have made in terms of collaboration, technology, Um, I think the pace of innovation is going to increase.
2: And what makes you say that? Why, why, why is it gonna be different this time around? Um, it's just the circumstances are different. I mean, it, it forced
0: everyone, you know, go into, you know, into hiding, uh, for, for many months in their, in their homes. And it forced teams to collaborate and innovate, um, And to come up with ways of of advancing things more quickly. So we've adapted and figured out ways of effective collaboration that are more effective and more efficient than, you know, hopping on a plane for a one hour meeting um, to try to get something accomplished. Instead, with all of that time over two days to do something like that and all of the money spent and all of the inefficiency, um, you and I could have, you know, could just take care of that in an hour over the phone and have the tools to be able to do it. So like with Zoom before all this hit, now everyone you know is on Zoom communicating like we are now. And I think just the pace of innovation and collaboration is going to increase rapidly.
2: What has Blue Sky and, learned? Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead.
0: No, I just want to say, and um, the status quo no longer has to be the status quo. Right. I mean, sort of everything is on the table now. Like we've realized that sort of, you know, Everything, everything's up for debate right now.
2: What has Blue Sky learned or what have you guys done differently or what's kind of been, the you know, like I said, with the quarantine and and with, again, with your business changing and and just the entire structure, how have you guys adapted and how are you different now versus when this thing hit three months ago?
0: Uh, We're completely different. We've gone through a total transformation. So uh, I can't say that the transformation has been fully effectuated yet, but it is in process. So. You know, our traditional business model that we've done, you know, since we did our business plan in 2007 and started the company in 08 has been, you know, the development and finance and you know, project development processes of developing clean, renewable energy projects for municipalities, institutions, and commercial and industrial facilities. At risk project development and some consultancy. We've done a bunch of great projects. We've done, you know, close to a couple hundred million dollars worth of renewable energy projects. We're proud of our track record, but we wasted an inordinate amount of time doing at-risk project development. So, you know, we had a, a deal that sort of wasn't for, uh, you know, a large commercial mixed-use facility in the middle of the city. Great project, but you know, with all the pain their industry suffering, they just couldn't commit to a long-term project we've done that a lot what we learned is to and we were on the path of going with a business model that we've had for 12 years and works we were starting to develop ways to uh entities off the grid and implement microgrid projects so that's just a circumstance of technology advancing and pricing coming down for solar and battery storage and fuel cells, and other microgrid controllers. But the timing of that dovetails very nicely to getting people off the grid, which is a concept that many people in the utility and energy industry don't talk about much, but is completely viable. So we can all invest in renewables, but ultimately when uh, a storm comes and trees knock out power lines, the power is still out. But if you do microgrids and distributed generation and take people off the grid with redundancy, you can offer 100% guaranteed uptime and cleaner energy that is also now at a price point that's equal to grid power. So instead of going the long project development cycle, we're starting mass marketing of getting people completely off the grid and offer uh, customer service in a way that the utilities just aren't able to offer.
2: So, when you do this mass marketing, right? And so, when did when did this kind of when did the, did this shift happen prior to the COVID? Is this something that you guys started to see, or maybe this kind of uh, you know uh, expedited that process that you guys had already been having? Maybe some yeah. back door conver- or back office conversations about.
0: Yeah, I, strategic planning sessions—something good to talk about, you know. Our business cards, you know, do say get off the grid, but um, meaning in large part for distributed generation and microgrids, this advanced and expedited our planning on that to say, why not? Why not just execute on that model? And so still doing our traditional business, we've taken the last couple of months to fully implement a an actionable strategic framework to execute on that.
2: So when you say get people, when you're talking about getting people off the grid, are you talking about? Are you talking about? And I know just from the research I've done and just reading a little bit about your background, are we talking about you know universities, municipalities, hospitals? Or are you talking about trying to do individuals? Or we, who are you trying to get off the grid? Yes, a little bit. Of everybody, anybody, anybody, anybody that wants yeah. to get off the grid, you're you're well, you're there for them.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, but but from a marketing perspective, for the forever we're going to target residential customers, which is something we've not done before. So we've we've always said, you know, let's not deal with individual issues. Our experience is in you know government, large commercial, large industry. We know we can do that. So really, our focus is residential, small commercial, in one bucket, mm-hmm. and then critical manufacturing and critical operations, meaning hospitals, uh, universities. Uh, emergency uh, operation centers for municipalities, counties, et cetera.
2: Ben Parvey joining us here. I've got Mike Nimmer as well, president of eRenewable, uh, joining us here on the Green Insider Podcast. Uh, second episode, glad to have you guys on board. And so what interests me or, or, or what I'm fascinated by is when you make that leap from, okay, we're, we're going to start looking at residential folks. How do you make that connection? Because let's call it what it is, all right? Most folks... All they're, all they're concerned about is as long as I pay my light bill on time, I just want my lights to work. I want my AC. I want my heat to work. I want my water to be hot. Whatever it is that my, that I'm powering with my electricity, I just want to make sure it works and my bills paid on time. How do you get over that where, okay, now I want you to care about your electricity? How do you get people to do that and, and, and put in that extra ump for that extra time and consideration so that what Ben Parvey's talking about makes sense and maybe there's more of a human relationship with your energy?
0: Yeah. Well, it's actually that it has to be incredibly easy. So we don't want you to put any effort into it. Okay. So really, I guess I have a couple questions for you.
1: Sure. You,
0: when when the phone rings at home, go over to the wall, grab the, the yellow rotary dial <laughs> phone, pick it up, you know, and then yell yeah. for whoever it is across the house. Or do you just pick up your cell phone?
2: I just pick up you know, my cell phone.
0: When, when you need to take care of uh, working on something, do you go to the giant green screen at work or do you open up your laptop? open up my laptop.
2: Hell, I might even work now, on my
0: phone. Who knows? Now, I don't know about you, but my car doesn't take gas. I plug it in when I get home.
2: Okay. All right. So you got a, what do you got, a Tesla? So I do. Very nice. Very nice. Elon Musk thanks you. and i thank him
0: he's no i mean he's he's led the way for that that breaking down of the barriers saying you know we should never stop dreaming of what we can do and then taking the action to implement it absolutely um that's not a quote from him that's just the general theory i like it so um you know the the point in that is technology is advancing incredibly rapidly And, and when you buy these giant steel transmission towers, or you look at this, you know, army green transformer box outside my house, I mean, these are archaic relics of fifty to a hundred years ago. This is not technology. The stuff that powers our cool shit should be cool. So, you Absolutely. know. I can power your house with solar and battery storage and a small fuel cell or linear generator or natural gas fired generator. I can give you a hundred percent guaranteed uptime and be utility price. Why wouldn't you do it? And the same for critical industry. You know, if you say, you know, uh, you know, one of the largest potato producers we're working with uh, out of Minnesota, they lose $600,000 a year in lost product and productivity from outages because really? they have to throw away a whole run of, you know, potatoes. I mean, their facility runs for you know, almost two miles. You know, it's massive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, largest potato producer in North America. I mean, think about the scale of that. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, for all the fries to now, Real to quick, I,
2: but I'd, I'd have to ask you, why wouldn't they have a generator? They wouldn't have a backup you generator know, I mean, for something like that?
0: Yeah. I mean, you can have a diesel generator and they also have little, you know, uninterruptible power supply batteries on certain equipment, Okay, but they can't keep the whole facility operating. And those things also take time and investment. So they just sort of, when you look at all the capital needs, they say, oh, you know, we function most of the time. Let's put it in a new processor, not in, you know, backup. So it's one of those things. It's an issue, but it's one that, you know, first of all, the capital to put into it is a lot that a lot of the the executives don't fully understand, but the operations folks do. And, you know, we we've seen it over and over again. And I will say the grid is becoming increasingly more stressed and we're seeing, um, you know, even voltage drops and frequency drops that are causing these blips on, you know, very sensitive equipment for specialized manufacturing facilities. Hey, ben. So Even if you're not just losing power, you might lose quality of power. Yeah, Mike. Ben,
1: question for you Do you find talking to a customer uh, in the CNI space in a regulated market significantly different than talking to somebody in an regul- unregulated market? Or are they about to? Um,
0: usually. I mean, being in the Northeast, I mean, usually we deal with people in deregulated markets. Um, I mean, the, a lot of the regulated markets, power is a little bit cheaper. But I'll tell you, natural gas is also very cheap in those areas. And you can do, you know, projects that are, are cogeneration related. But I will say, we're usually dealing with folks in deregulated markets can't really answer that completely
1: okay fair enough answer
0: but i will say we've done distributed generation projects and microgrids in you know municipal you know municipal utilities in dereg- in regulated areas yeah and in a lot of those places power quality is fairly low i mean you're dealing with a lot of rural areas and a lot of places where you know utilities aren't able to serve customers properly or you know they don't care as much about customer service because there's no competition.
2: Got gotcha, you, got gotcha. you. Ben, Park. Uh, oh, oh, go ahead.
1: Yeah, you've got you've got put a lot of uh, microgrids in uh, school districts and universities, don't you? Yes, sir. Yeah,
0: and so do you see that trend continuing? We do. I mean, universities. You know, there, there's the you know use university present uh, presidents climate action uh, initiative that most of the university presidents have signed on to. They're readily aware of it. You know, some of them are buying. Uh, you know blocks of of renewables via virtual power purchase agreements or through uh, you know SREX or other means of renewables, purchase. but a lot of them are also considering distributed generation projects. And we have a lot of you know students are pushing universities to you know go the route of renewables and want to be involved in distributed generation and microgrid projects.
2: Ben Parvey, CEO of Blue Sky Energy, joining us here uh, on the Green Insider Podcast, powered by eRenewable. When you started this back in 2008, and um, just from uh, listening to a little bit of your backstory, uh, you know, like I said, you were, you were a, a corporate attorney before you made the jump into this. And what was it about the appeal of the renewable space And again, you know, 12 years doesn't seem like a long time, but I mean, in this industry, I mean, it seems like it's been (laughs) been night and day. Not to mention, you know, to call you a neophyte would have been one thing. I mean, I heard you say that you didn't even know what a kilowatt hour was uh, at that time. So what was it about the, I mean, obviously you were a smart guy. So, I mean, let's, I mean, it wasn't, I mean, you knew you were going to be able to pick up on it quick, but. What was it about the learning curve that you picked up on so quickly and what was it about this industry that you know you knew a little bit about just from your corporate dealings as an attorney, but what was it about this space that really you know uh, uh, got you interested and made you decide to say, you know what, the hell with it. I'm going to go ahead and forego this career and, and start something brand new that uh, I'm still learning about as I go.
0: Yeah, I, it, surprisingly, there are a lot of things in my job that taught me and prepared me for the projects, not as much running a business. I mean, running a business is a, is a, a whole set of challenges just unrelated to the industry knowledge. Okay. But um, really in doing, you know, as a public finance attorney, I represented States, counties, municipalities, hospitals, universities on capital project financings like stadiums and, and water systems and um, you know, high schools and things like that. And so, you know, you have a financing that has to take place. As the attorney, you draft all these documents. You work with the underwriters and the banks and uh, the customers. You go to public hearings. You tell them what the structure is. And similarly, I mean, a solar project for school districts, the same thing as, you know, a new library for a school district. You got to take it to the school board, discuss the project with them, work with the engineer finance folks and the contractors on, you know, getting to a finance closing and drafting all the necessary documents and really doing capital projects as a public finance attorney or, you know, doing renewable energy project, uh, financing and development, uh, for clean energy company. Uh, it translated and I, I learned a lot and really I'm, I'm truly grateful to my, uh, my mentors that, that really taught me how to effectively serve clients and customers well. And, you know, always true to your word and deliver on your promises. And those fundamentals switch over to uh, running a renewables business. And I'll say the interest came from personal interest. I chaired our county environmental commission and we were working on, you know, a new parks and rec building with a green roof. We discussed putting solar on it. And, you know, that was before I ever thought about business. But then a light bulb went off and I said, well, you know, these same things I'm helping this county environmental commission with, as well as what I work on, you know, in capital project financing, I could be doing to help advance renewables and, and help heal the earth.
2: And so, so you're th- but here's the thing, though, and, and again, you've talked about it. It's one thing to say, hey, I, you know, I want to recycle. I want to do this. I want to do that. But you put, I mean, you put the rubber to the road. And again, you left a, a good career to do that. What was the final impetus to where you said, okay, this is, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this. We're going to make this thing a reality.
0: Well, I I think it's just we got to a point that we were done with our business plan and we felt that, you know, it was it was time to execute. We basically had gotten it to a point where, you know, we, we had addressed a lot of the assumptions. We had gone, you know, these Wharton strategic business planning classes at night. We were working with our, you know, our professor there. And, you know, we had it to a point that we thought we were ready to execute and. I sort of had a forcing function and I was working on a number of deals. Yeah. I was sort of at a burnout phase on those. I closed a number of them sort of in that summer of 08. And it was like, now's the time. And and I just, I went ahead and and pulled the trigger and, you know, said, I, I think we can do this. We're ready. And, uh, you know, went in, you know, my, my partners were great and working with me on helping me transition out and, close out the projects I was working on. And, and then we just pulled the trigger.
2: How long did it take to gain some traction where you, where, you know, blue sky power gets going and, and, uh, what was kind of the impetus for the name blue sky power?
0: Interestingly, it ties into the job. Um, so there's some, when you serve as underwriters counsel on a bond transaction on mm-hmm. a finance transaction, um, you have to comply with the blue sky laws, okay? which are the securities offerings laws in States. Um, and so I used to write these blue sky memorandum for the underwriters like Goldman Sachs and JP Morgan and stuff. And uh, you know, it basically lists each of the States and what you have to do to comply with the securities law. Blue sky memorandum. It also has the sense of clean energy and uh, that that's logical nexus. And uh, I don't know. My initials are BSP, so it's Blue Sky Power.
2: So it was only right that with the BSP, it was only, right. It, it was only the right thing to do. Uh, ben, ben, ben Parvey here with us, Blue Sky Energy. Um, so let me ask you this then: So you get this thing rolling. When did you? When when did you start gaining some momentum? When did you start gaining some traction? And was there ever any time at that early that early, you know, beginning where you thought, oh, I don't know if we made the right move, or was it, hey, we're, we're all we're in this to win this.
0: I think I always had the attitude of we're in this to win this. Um, I've always had the attitude that sort of failure is not an option, but you know, running a, a business and, and you yeah, know, renewables market has gone up and down and up and down, you know, and you know, solar's hot in one state and then, you know, CHP is hot and then microgrids and, you know, it's forever changing. So we've had to adopt a lot, adapt a lot. Um, but really as soon as we started, started going, um, I mean, we were, we were all in and, you know, we had a, you know, some advisory work Meaning, from some school districts hired us early on. Um, you know, we were officially formed October 20 of 08. Um, we got some small, like my own from a you know small SBA loan for like $20,000, which back then seemed like man from heaven. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that allowed us to start out. And then we went to, you know, business incubator office space and, um, you know, some school districts engaged us to help them with their solar projects and a senior living facility. We did a big project for, and it just kept rolling from there. And, uh, you know, there certainly have been tough times and, you know, 2012 and the 13 was a, you know, sort of a downtime for solar in the region. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'll say this, you know, has been a real challenge and caused us to do a lot of soul searching but i think as we talked about at the beginning it helped us refine our model and i think really is going to be you know the impetus for our long-term success
2: what would you say oh i'm sorry real quick mike what would you say the biggest misconception is about renewable energy
0: The biggest misconception about renewable energy, uh, well, if people think it's easy, that's a misconception. <laughs> um, well, and I ask uh, that. It- the, the, yeah, I mean, the biggest misconception I think people probably one is, you know, that, well, one thing people always say is, you know, I sell back to the grid. You know, can't I just put power on and I sell back to the grid? That's not really something that happens. Okay. Either you net meter, Meaning your meter may spin backwards when you're producing, but the utility not giving you money for your power. They don't want your power, you know, under the regulations, usually, you know, you may get up to 10% of your power as a credit for at the wholesale rate, but they're not just giving you, you know, a bunch of money at the retail rate for what you pay for power for your solar energy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, people say, Hey, I've got, can I throw up a solar field and sell it to the grid? Um, it's far more complicated than that. Um, you have to have, you know, a wholesale market purchase agreement and go through, you know, a couple years worth of interconnection procedures with the regional grid operator and with the utilities. Um, so it's incredibly challenging. Um, another, you know, another misconception people have a lot of times is that, you know, community solar project, people put up a solar project and they think it's feeding houses. You know, it's not, it's usually going to the grid. And you're getting some mix of brown power, you know, meaning from fossil fuel power plants, uh, as well as from, from solar. Um, you know, the other is that it's, uh, yeah, we need to get better at making solar panels and our energy truly energy efficient and net zero. I mean, to manufacture all this stuff is not particularly clean. Hey, Ben,
1: I wanted to ask you when uh, how many times when you work with universities or schools, do you officially have to make like an energy demand for that school or university or ISD before they decide what direction they want to go? They need you come in and do a whole process that you go through to uh, describe what you think is going to be beneficial to them.
0: Yeah, I guess usually they either hire us to do an energy master plan, or they already know they want to do a distributed generation or microgrid project, and then we start working on it. So yeah. um, usually, there's usually not proposing it. Usually, they have some idea about which direction they want to go, having had conversations with their you know engineers or capital projects folks or their consultant. Um, I mean, if they approach us, we usually tell them that's a route to go. Okay. When you,
1: when they talk to you about an energy master plan, is that something the university typically, is that a low enough cost that they don't have to put it out on an RFP and you just can, if they like you, they can contract with you and you do that project or is that still an RFP
0: process? It's usually still an RFP process, even if it's, even if it's a less, yeah, cause they're not bidding out construction at that in consultancy services and right. you know a you know a a proposal or an rfp or an rfq for consultancy advisory services is usually less onerous than a construction bid for a you know multi-million dollar capital project but you know it's still usually in the range of you know an engagement for 50 to a couple hundred thousand dollars so it, it right, so it's not. over the limits that they have to then yeah usually yeah. now when you um, On school districts, though, we've done some under that limit where we do that first phase feasibility, which is less than the energy master plan. It's just a, you know, here's the feasibility for a project. Gotcha. And we've done that under the the bidding limits. Now, when you did the uh,
1: microgrid over at uh, Mississippi State, I know you did a project. What was involved? How did you end up going from being in New Jersey and you getting a deal in Mississippi?
0: Yeah, well, there... It's a cool project because it's actually built with Graystar Collegiate Housing. So, Graystar, one of the largest multifamily owner and operators in the world, um, bought a student housing REIT that we worked with EDR, Education Realty Trust, um, which was a real estate investment trust before it got bought by Graystar. So, we worked with them on you know all types of energy procurement as well as energy master planning. And they own and operate the um, student housing. At a lot of different public and private universities, and so in partnering with GrayStar that was developing the, uh, you know, about a seventy million dollar mixed use student housing, uh, you know, amphitheater, clubhouse, retail, restaurant um, space of new part of campus for MSU as a private developer, uh, they were able to incorporate microgrid into you know, into their project for the new part of campus called College View.
2: Was that the nice. first microgrid you'd done for a university? It is, yeah. Okay, and and kind of what's been the uh, what's been the general f- feedback consensus uh, from the project?
0: Uh, I, you know, interestingly, it's been very good for you know university. Uh, I think it's good for the profile for GrayStar. I think you know some challenges with you know the the local utility has had. Sort of regular power outages, and I think their interconnection and you know frequency regulation, et cetera, coming into some of the programming of the equipment continues to get tweaked, but you know overall
2: favorable. Ben Parvey, Blue Sky Energy CEO, joining us here on the Green Insider Podcast. Let me ask you something. Uh, back in the day when I was in college, biodiesel. This is probably in the late two thousands. Biodiesel in Kansas was really starting to come on, and I remember doing a—I a, a, was doing kind of an investigative piece for it, or just kind of maybe a general story on it for the school newspaper. And I remember talking to—and granted, this was an oil and gas guy—but he said that biodiesel was never going to take off uh, because of there, there just wasn't the infrastructure for it. And going back now, twelve years later, here we are with renewable energy, with wind, solar. My question is, is where are we at with the infrastructure when it comes to renewable energy? And the knock on it has always been, well, you know, what do, what do you do to the people that don't know, that don't realize, okay, what am I supposed to do if I don't live in a windy area? What am I supposed to do if, you know, What how am I supposed to have solar panels? How is it supposed to help me if it's cloudy? You know, what's the infrastructure? Where are we at on the infrastructure for renewal, renewable energy now? And what's it looking like moving forward?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's just an incredibly exciting time based on technology competition of technology and pricing. Um, It's a whole different industry than it was 12 years ago. I mean, the amount of focus and capital investment in globally on renewables has just led to the production of technology that allows different renewable resources to communicate together, as well as with the grid and where the power is needed. Um, The real game changer is bad has become cost competitive which it wasn't before you said battery so storage? between yeah okay. battery battery energy storage So when you're talking large scale solar and wind or solar for distributed generation to store that energy and use it for later mm-hmm. So for storing solar and then you know you have large period of cloud cover it can stabilize the grid for a big grid tide system. That can you know lose power if you're using it on your house or a critical factoring facility or municipality and you're using battery storage you can use that solar at night as well okay by using battery storage um, so the infrastructure has advanced rapidly and actually for you know approvals of new power plants uh, just last month renewables surpassed fossil fuels for you know approvals for new generation on the grid nationally
2: and let's put it this way when you started this in 08 did you ever think that was i mean how how long did you think that was going to be a reality or before it became a reality
0: um Yeah, I don't know that I had a prediction then. I knew it would be a rapidly expanding trend. Right. So it doesn't it doesn't necessarily surprise me. Um, I think one thing, thing that surprised me that we didn't see coming back then was, um, you know, how cheap natural gas got, which, you know, in part allowed us to get rid of coal luster. Mm-hmm. So while it's not ideal we certainly have reduced you know the dirtiest of power plants by you know having natural gas which is kind of a bridge to more more sustainable sources like solar and wind
2: and i do apologize it's blue sky power not blue sky energy i apologize i've i've, take, right. I've taken a couple it, hits to the head over the course you, of my life
0: yeah so. it's alright you're 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 not the first one and uh, <laughs> you can call me. i've been called worse
2: <laughs> um One of the things I've heard you talk about is over the course of the 12 years that you guys have been doing this um, is that the the time it takes to get projects done. And I know just from working with Mike over the last year and, and, you know, that was one of the things that he's talked about time and time again is that. You know, oil and gas, it's it's. let's get this thing done yesterday. And he's noticed talking about the, you know, the speed in which things get done. Uh, I don't want to say it's glacial, but it's, it's, not, it's not always the fastest. And that was something that you said you'd like to see a little bit more of. And that's one thing you've noticed is that, you know, it takes time to get deals done. And as a result of that, you've seen good companies fall to the wayside simply because projects tons. took too long to get done. I've um, seen tons of
0: different companies come and go. And,
2: and so what where are we at as far as you know with 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 the time it takes and are you seeing an improvement and as as we begin you know dare i say you know renewable energy gets more mainstream are we starting to see deals get you know the frequency of deals getting done faster and just the time it takes to get projects and deals done are they is it, is it getting faster or quicker
0: i i don't think it's getting all, all faster i think which is part of the reason we're having conversation we had earlier and talking about the transformation we're going through, you know, a lot of the delay, a lot of the delay is on the customer. So on grid tide projects, you know, meaning wholesale, you know, large scale solar, large scale wind, that's a very long time for permitting mainly environmental permitting um, really interconnection with the grid operators. I mean, that's multiple phases of heavy study that they do. Um, and other different approvals and finance closings all take a really long time. On microgrids and distributed generation, a lot of that delay is based on utility interconnection, not as much on permitting, but also on sort of customer speed. You know, there's a lot of hesitation. I think it's up to the industry to innovate, to make things faster and easier and that's part of the reason we're talking about you know off-grid solutions, mm-hmm. is because if we're doing off-grid solution, we're talking about doing you know renewable energy on private property that doesn't have to go through the utility interconnection process. And so people producing their own power for their own use doesn't fall under the regulations that utility scale power does, or interconnected utility or, or interconnected power does through the net meter so there's tremendous potential in that to speed up the process and deployment Mm -hmm.
2: you talked about that you know one thing you want blue sky power to do um well it's kind of twofold one by 2040 you want to be the leader um in in you or you want to be the largest distributed energy infrastructure company uh in america by 2040
0: can i actually change that
2: you want you want to push that back a little bit (laughs) or we or we no i don't we want to 2030
0: No, I just want to change the phraseology there cuz we've actually changed this. Okay. Um, being the largest doesn't mean being the best.
2: Ah, okay, very true. So, you don't want to be too big to goal-
0: fail. <laughs> well, that would be nice. But <laughs> no, our our goal is not to be the largest. Okay. We thought we thought it was. What we realized though is a lot of people can try to compete for market share and to be the the largest. Uh-huh. But we want to be the best. Okay. So we've evolved it. So the blue sky twenty forty mission, you know, our BHAG, our big hairy audacious goal, is to be the highest JD Power rated local power company in America.
2: Okay. All right. I like that. It's, we it's wanna, quite a mouthful. We, we want to
0: make a whole new, you know, because they have they have rated JD Power rates utilities. Okay. So we're going to target the ten worst utility areas. And it's our goal to be the highest rated local power company.
2: Where are you guys at right now?
0: Well, they don't, that's not even a category of their rankings right now.
2: Okay. So that's the, that's the next step then. Okay. I like our goal.
0: Our goal is to innovate and create enough of a segment that it ends up being a JD power rated segment and that we're number, we're number one in that year after year, because Whether it's renewable energy or cars or laptops or health insurance or any product or service, the customers and their experience are what really makes you know happiness and make innovation happen. And it's our goal to serve customers. You know, we've spent all this time over the last twelve years developing projects and talking about you know the, the technology, the finance structures, et cetera. But you know, over the last you know, couple of years we've realized it's all about our customers. It's mm. the the happiness of our customers, regardless of what we're doing, and our sole focus is is on being energized for our customers' success.
2: So, if you it, it, clear, I mean, and again, you guys have obviously made you know massive strides in twelve years. Where do you need to get better at?
0: We need to get better at targeting the customers who need us or getting in front of the customers who need us more quickly. You know, we spend a lot of time, waste a ton of time, you know, talking to good potential partners and or good potential, you know, customers that partners refer us to. And we spend a ton of time and money, um, you know, dragging them along and convincing them they should do a project. Um we need to get better at getting in front of those customers and communities that want to implement, Yeah, renewable energies and get off the grid now.
2: Fair enough. Fair enough. I'll get you. I'll get you out of here with this. Um, We're twelve years into this. We want to be the best in twenty forty. What are you most proud of through twelve years of being with Blue Sky Power?
0: Um, I'm most proud of of where we are today. I'm most proud of our team and the way that we have come together in the current, um, you know, global pandemic, uh, difficulties in the economy, uh, civil unrest and challenges and, you know, debate in the public sphere. And I think that I'm incredibly proud of our team, our dedication to each other, our dedication to to communities, and that we've taken this time to serve our customers and improve the quality of life of, of our team, our customers, and their communities
2: makes perfect sense to me and listen you guys are clearly on the right track and um again just from everything i've read and, and uh, just some of the interviews i've heard again you you guys have done a fantastic job and uh i mean listen i'm i'm convinced you guys are certainly well on your way of uh being the best uh energy distribu you should be distributed energy infrastructure company in america <laughs>
0: i appreciate that You're i absolutely- appreciate it.
2: mike you got anything
0: Nope, Ben. I appreciate your time today. Yeah, Mike. It's good to see you, Fred. Uh, great, great pleasure talking to you today. I, I really appreciate you having such great dialogue and, and allowing us the time to be able to do this. Hey,
2: listen again. I, I thank you so much. We're trying to, you know, we're 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 new to this this industry, and and uh, I've like I said, being an oil and gas guy, I certainly appreciate the challenges, and and it's just it, it the, the you just get a different feeling right i mean there's just something different about renewable energy the solar the wind aspect of it but it just it, the fact that you're doing something that benefits people on just so many different levels and it benefits you know where we live and i know you got kids i got kids mike's got grandkids so you know i mean let's let's call it what it is we want them to be as, as, in, in a beautiful place like you're in right now so that you know what we can feel good about what they're doing in the future
0: yeah, agreed. I mean there there is an excitement about it and a lot of people are excited to talk about it. We just gotta get more people moved from talking to action.
2: Absolutely. Well listen, we'll get this thing rocking and rolling and uh let's do this again in uh five or six months and see where everybody's at.
0: All right, that'll be great. I appreciate it. Have a great afternoon, Delman. Same to you, sir. Thank you, Dan. All right, talk to y'all later. Take
2: Bye-bye. care. Thank you very much once again to Mr. Ben Parvey for taking time out of his busy day and out of his busy schedule to take time with us here on the Green Insider Podcast. Mike, I don't know about you, but I know I certainly learned uh, quite a bit that I didn't know before about just where we're at as far as the renewable space goes, and more importantly, uh, just the emergence of of microgrids uh, in the renewable space.
1: Yeah, the interesting part about uh, the discussion with Ben was about uh, the growth in the past 12 years with regards to how different projects have changed and taken different shape, uh, how everything has moved along. Uh, the one constant that we still continue to see is it doesn't move as fast as everybody would like it to, but we're at least making progress. Okay. Yeah, it was quite educational when he talked about this year is the first year there's more power plant permitting for green products than there are for the brown products. And uh, that's a first, so that's a continued growth in the renewable space that makes it exciting to be in this space. And I think um, if our listeners listen all the way through the uh, podcast here for the 40 minutes that we've been on or whatever, uh, they'll learn a lot from Ben, and, uh, uh, and we'll be glad to make an introduction if they so need it. But anyway... Thanks, Fred, for your time. You did a great job today. Ben, thank you for your time.
2: Thank you so much for that, Mike. And, uh, of course, Mike Niemer, president of eRenewable. If you want to contact Mike, uh, you can send him an email, mike at eRenew.net. And, of course, all that information, uh, anything you want to know about eRenewable, you can find at the website, eRenew.net. I want to thank everybody for taking time to listen to the Green Insider Podcast, Episode 2 with Ben Parvey. You can find all the episodes at eRenew.net. And, of course, coming very soon, we'll have it on Apple, iTunes, as well as Google, Spotify, and whatever uh, podcast uh, Spotify spot you listen to. So definitely check that out. So once again, thank you again. The Green Insider, powered by eRenewable. eRenewable, where we make going green a lot easier. Thank you guys for your time. Good night. God bless.